0: Hello everyone, it's Mabel here again. It's been a minute, hasn't it? Anyways, I've been wanting to do this podcast for a couple of weeks. Actually, I wanted to do this podcast when I did the last podcast that I did. And um, I wanted to give it a couple of days so that at least I can have another idea of podcasts uh, to talk about. But like I said, my podcasts are usually... Engineered by the Holy Spirit, so I remember jotting down a couple of things as it was ministering to me. And one of these podcasts, one of the things is one of this. This one I'm gonna do now, and it's a story of teen pregnancy. I don't know why the Holy Spirit is directing me to do it, and my heart—he's been nudging my heart ever since to do it. And I just want to say, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, but I believe that this is the right time. And I believe that someone is going to listen to this podcast today, tomorrow, many years down the line, and it will still be able to identify and it will still minister to them. Um, Like I always say, my podcasts are usually about me, my life. I've gone through so many things that I believe that I am a walking encyclopedia, a walking testimony, so many things I've gone through in my life that... You know, um the Holy Spirit wants me to always talk about and make it a point of um reference for other people. Um I'm supposed to be writing a book. Um and the book book is supposed to be a combination of a lot of my life experiences. Um and I intend to start now that we have AI, so um just just keep encouraging me, keep praying for me. For this book to begin, I don't want to write a book because everyone is writing a book. I want to write a book because that's what God has instructed me to, to, and I intend to. I started. Um, I've just stalled in between because there's just a lot happening in my life, and um, but I'm going to continue. Like I said, just continue to pray for me. So yeah, we're talking about teen pregnancies. Yeah, yes, I. I would also say that I was a teenager and I was pregnant so I'll give a bit of background of where I'm coming from I'm not saying like I'm not saying that everyone or every teenager who's been pregnant um you know yeah every teenager who's been pregnant has a background they have a story there's a reason Even though we don't see the reason, even though the first thing we want to do is to to condemn them. But trust me, there's a reason. There's always a story behind everything. So everything you see, there's always a story. And I would just encourage people to listen to that background. Listen to that person's story. Even though we don't always want you to dwell there. We want you to be able to get yourself out of it and 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 start to move in the right direction the truth is we must always identify with people and their stories because that's where the glory is that's where the testimony is the scars talk about a story but we don't want you to have that scar and then continue to dwell in it forever you know or else it will become a testimony you won't be able to live out of it, you will not be able to, people will not be able to look at you as a rallying point where they can come and learn from, so your story must always glorify God at the end, so I came from a background of a home where, where five initially, and we became six, Uh, my father had another child from another woman, but we don't look at her like that We because we, we all grew up with her so we look at her like our elder sister so we're three boys three girls came from a home where my childhood i would say was pretty um was a quite quite a boring one there was nothing really interesting about my childhood because my childhood was full of a lot of events a lot of physical abuse a lot of emotional abuse a lot of sexual abuse so it wasn't a childhood that i can always go back to and say i enjoyed um i had parents who were not present in my life they were alive and they were there but they were not actively involved in my growth um i didn't have parents who i could tell i love you who could give me a hug who i could talk to who i could open up to you know i had I had tyrants for parents. My father was a tyrant. My mom was a tyrant. And so, of course, from a childhood of trauma, I became really um, secretive, very into myself, became very mute. Um, I just go about my life but there were a lot of things happening to me that I didn't understand. There were a lot of emotions I was going through that I didn't understand. There were a lot of experiences that I was seeing that was happening to me that I didn't understand. There was nobody there to explain it to me or to help me grow into a better person. And as such, um, my life of course started going the way every other person that would have gone through such trauma was going. Um, at an early age of, I would say five, I started being sexually molested by, um, my father's, um, helps my father's drivers, um, uncles. And you see, at that point, I didn't look at it like it was, I was being molested for someone who is going through, um, I would say we were abandoned. I would say I was abandoned as a child because I wasn't... I wasn't... I was beaten. I was screamed at... I was shouted at i I lived in fear of my parents and so i was abandoned as a child even though i had parents who were coming home every night i was still abandoned as a child so i went through abandonment issues and so for someone who has been abandoned you know by the people who she looked to by the people who were supposed to contribute positively into my life by the people who are supposed to you know um validate me in different ways, I sat, my heart started yearning, there was a void in my heart and that void was looking for something that was missing and that was love. A child will always, always seek for love, for attention and and when that child doesn't find it, the child will look for, look for it. There's a saying that says that life um, abhors void. And so they will never you will never find a void. If you see a hole in the at the at the middle of the road, something will definitely fill it. Either more sand or water or dirt, something will definitely fill it. So if it's not something good, it will be something bad. There will never be a void. You know, even the Bible talks about it that my word will not come back to me void, but it will accomplish that what I've been sent for to do. There's never a void in this life. If you see a void, trust me, something is going to fill it. You understand? So there was a void in my heart because the place where it was supposed to have been filled with love, I didn't have love growing up. I didn't have a mom who I, I don't think even love. She might have loved, but she, my mom, no, let me just, let me describe that. I didn't have a mom who loved her children. Um, I had a mom who took care of her children, who wanted the best for her children, but sh- she didn't love her children. She didn't like her children because she didn't know how. And I'll explain. You can't give what you've never gotten. So looking at her own background, I've realized that she never got love from her own parents. She never had the relationship, um, had a relationship with her own parents so she was unable to express that same love to her own she didn't know how if she did know how she probably will um but she didn't know how she started learning it much later on in life but by that time it was already too late um you know things had already gone wrong but at that initial stage she was also going through a lot of things in her life that she didn't even know what was happening to her um and so she was passing on that frustration she was passing on that pain to her children unknown to her um and, and 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 such you know i was i was living in fear i was i was hiding i was i was i was cringing at every at every voice at every um um, um screams at every um reprimand you know and all that for people who you know even wet the bed sometimes wetting the bed is as a result of fear is as a result of fear is as also as a result of anxiety is as a result of you not being trained it might also be as a result of not being loved enough do you understand i want you to start to look at issues that you might be seeing in your life or the lives of other people or in your children's life as just not just as a surface problem but as a problem that has a root and so for you to solve that problem you need to go down to the bottom of the problem You know, some people might not be able to do that because they know that if they try to do that, it will unearth a lot of ugliness, even about them. But you see, if you want to love your children and give them the best, you need to be able to start the repair, not from the children, but from you. Because they're an offshoot of you. If I pluck a mango from the tree and it has been eaten by something, it's a result of something that has come from the tree. I have to find out what's happening in the tree to be able to get the results, a better result. So she couldn't give that love. And so there was a void in my life. There was a void of love. There was a void of attention. There was a void of validation. There was never a well done. You did well. Thumbs up. Fantastic. A hug. A kiss. A a. a a, a reward for good behavior. There was never anything like that. Never anything. The only things that we got were things that we felt were necessities for us to get and were provided for. We got good clothes. We got good shoes. We got a roof over our head we got food to eat we got all that we traveled to the uk because my father could afford it then he, he wanted he wanted the best for his family too but he also didn't know how to give it because he didn't have a partner who was able to you know um interpret interpret his own way of loving to the children and that's why you have to marry someone who both of you are on the same page both of you have the same values. Both of you stand for the same things. You have to marry pe- someone who two of you are a team or else there'll be a problem. So the, my father loved the way he felt, you know, to be loved. But th- he didn't have a partner who could interpret his love to the children the way she should. And he also, because he was not the kind who would show open affection, he didn't know how to give that to his children too. So I, I know that he loved us. I know that he wanted to be our father. I know that he wanted to give us the best things. But he didn't know how. He didn't know how. And unfortunately, he now didn't have a wife who also didn't, you know, could not also express love. So both of them were just living the life, providing for their children. But, you know, there was, a, there was just a gloom always over that house. There was just a gloom. We're always sad, re- never really very happy. Even when we traveled out, there was nothing really exciting about it. There was just a doom and a gloom around everything, because there was always fighting, there was always neglect, there was always abandonment. There was there was always something evil always happening. So, growing up in that background, my heart yearned for love. And because we're a creature of love, we come from a foundation of love. We were created by love. Everyone who's on this earth was created by love. We existed even before the world existed. We existed in supernatural beings in heaven. We were not just created when we came to earth. We were born into the earth. But we existed as spirit beings even before the creation of this world. A lot of us can't grasp that. But if you're a Christian and you're mature in Christ, you would understand what I'm saying. A lot of us were already existing before this world existed. But we have no knowledge of heaven because heaven and earth have there's a void there was a void that came about because you cannot come onto the earth with the perception of heaven because of the sin that was brought into the world so a void was created by sin and so we lost as it were that connection that supernatural connection from our initial initial place of abode and as such we we came from love but lost that love when we came here on earth God didn't abandon us but we got separated from him because of sin and as such because we are created by love your soul would le- yearn for it. It will yearn from, for it. People that are searching for things, they're searching for completeness. And you see, the only thing that can complete you is the love of God. Because that is the, at the core foundation of who you are. And as such, my heart yearned. I knew that there was something strange. There was something not complete about me. Because I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel that... that I, didn't feel the, I didn't feel the core... Of who I was created in. I didn't feel it. I didn't have it. So I knew something was... Up. And I started searching for it. And I saw... When I started being sexually abused... I didn't see it as an abuse. Because these were... From people who were not enemies... These were from people who were familiar with me. And as such, I felt that if they were doing this to me, then it's, you know, I could, you know, I interpreted it as they loved me. So I felt that they loved me more than my parents because my body felt a sensation that I'd never felt before. So when you're fondled, you're touched, you started your, your body starts to mature as a child and you start to feel all these sensations that you've never felt because that is like eating an a forbidden fruit a door starts to open in you that you have never felt before something unfamiliar starts to come that you've never felt before and it is the same feeling that you feel when you are you have you you are loved And I liked it because I have never felt like this. If I had been loved from my parents, I would not probably have felt it because it would not have been something that would have been, it would not have been something that I would have been yearning for because that would have been, I would have had my love bank full. I wouldn't have looked for it. But I was looking for love. My heart was yearning for it. And so when you're being touched, in 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 intimate places you feel like these people are there to just show you the love that you need and so it wasn't like i was i so i didn't take it as an abuse because there was no there was, there was i was not forced i and after a while i started giving myself to it i started looking for it i started yearning for it so i look for the next time where i would see these people again and feel the same way Because that's the only way I felt. Because being around my parents, I didn't feel that way. So I felt good when I was with them. Because they were holding me. They were hugging me. They were touching me in these places. And I felt that this is what it's supposed to look like. I remember I said supposed to look like. That's not what it is. That's just an adulterated version Of what the genuine love of God is for to us, or what genuine love from people who are supposed to keep you safe is supposed to look like. But for someone who didn't know better, this was this meant the world to me. And I was ready to protect it. And so I was not willing to share with anybody, I was not going to tell anybody. Because I'd found something that was new. I'd found something that I liked. I'd found something that was making me feel different. I'd found something that was boosting my esteem. I'd found something that was giving me joy. And I was not ready to let it go. So I started coming alive. I started feeling happy. I started feeling very wanted. I started feeling very um, joyful. I started singing. I started skipping. I started, you know, they could see that there was something bright about me. And so I lived that life, I lived that life until I started realizing that, oh, these things that were being done to me were not not supposed to have been. Or even if they were done to me, they were not supposed to have been done to me at the stage I was at or done to me by the people that were doing to me it was as I started growing up I started realizing and I started getting into you know into life and understanding things I saw that this was wrong but even at then I still didn't take it as an abuse I just felt that these people were not the people that I should have been getting that from but even at that I still wanted it and so my body still yearned for it Eventually, when they were found out that thing was taken f- from me, and I became angry and I decided that I-, I needed to look for it so that's how I got into the 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 um you know the phase of you know searching for love dating um and dating not because I wanted to date or because I felt i was it was ready for it, but dating because I felt that sex or any other thing that has to do with sexual encounter was love i equated i'd already equated it as love and so i felt that if i was in a relationship with someone and i wasn't touched i wasn't the person didn't love me because that was my foundation that's what i already knew or equated to mean love and as i started growing I started getting into relationships. I remember being this virgin at the early age of 17. That was the first time I was raped. You know, I had this, I had sexual intercourse. Um, and this was a brutal one. Um, and it was really, really brutal. It left a scar with me because I felt like, you know, um, this was, was really traumatic, you know, but I was able to quickly overcome it because why i felt that this person for this person to have touched me and and slept with me this person really probably loved me in some way because like i said don't forget i equated that to being in love so I, I got over it early quickly and moved on with my life and that being done i was able to now go into relationships mature relationships So I was not dating people who were my age mates because I saw them as young children and inexperienced. I started dating people who were older than me because that was the foundation I had. I had men who were older than me showing me love. I had men who were older than me sexually sexually abusing me, touching me. I felt that they were the ones that were more experienced and those were the ones that would show me more love than the ones who were actually my mates. Because dating older guys, I was in relationships with a lot of older men, married men, but men that were older. A lot of people, because of the kind of people I hung out with that period of my life, people felt I was even older than my age. I dated people who were like 10, 15 years older than I was. 20 years older than I was. And I felt really comfortable in their midst because I felt that these were the ones that understood me and these were the ones who were matured enough to handle me at that stage. Like I said, that's the foundation that I was coming from. And I saw them as father figures. I saw them as people who loved me and who were ready to take care of me. And I stayed in lasting relationships. Relationships that spanned one year, two years. You know and all that i was not even in it for the money and that was the honest truth i dated people who had millions of money mega millions kind of people like dated you won't even if i mentioned their names you would scream but you see i wasn't in it for the money because the money was not was the least of my problems i had money i i, I was coming from a foundation where there was money there was affluence i was given the best kind of life so we lived in the best kind of homes we had things others people didn't have we we traveled at the a very early age went to the states went to america went to different places you know so there was money so money was the wasn't the problem it was the love the validation that i didn't get the well done being able to achieve things that people celebrate you i didn't find it but then at home but then i started finding it in other people but this was after the you know they would have defiled you and they'll say thank you and they will give you money. So I said quick I said equating that to mean they were satisfied with whatever it was they got, or they loved me enough to be able to want to also extend monetary monetary rewards. So I got money at the end of being defiled. But I didn't count it to mean anything. I counted it to mean further care, further appreciation, further love and that's my that was my own kind of validation so eventually i started working at an early age because my father um due to um mismanagement started losing a lot of his wealth and then we started entering for the first time in my life i started entering into lack I didn't understand it because I didn't, I had everything that I needed growing up as a child. I went to school, I didn't know how school fees were paid. I ate, I didn't know how food was bought. You know, I never went to the market, I never knew that there were people would want for anything. But then in, in my teenage years, I started hearing things like, we couldn't afford this, we couldn't pay for this. And it was strange to me because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. So after secondary school, um, I couldn't afford to go to university because my father could not afford it. And I didn't understand it. So how do I now go to university? I started looking for uncles who who were willing to help. It was not something I was used to doing. So it was strange. But because I was probably very hardworking. Um, I had a, a a a character of not being lazy, you know, and I'd learned things, you know, I'd matured through that, through the, you know, learning to to be trusted into life at an early age, into a his, his, his sexually active life at an early age. You know, I learned I started maturing really quick. Um, I started hanging around people who were older than me. I started seeing some aspects of life that um, became a bit interesting. Um, People work for their money um, and people do stuff. So I started learning things early and then I started um, working. And then from working, I started doing business. Um, And even in that, I was still having relationships because um, I felt like, you know, I needed to continue to um feed that void in me i couldn't afford for there to be a void so when i went from one relationship to the other because i felt that that was how i could survive that was how i could continue to um have a boost in my life have that be happy you know to happy enough to want to do something for myself um that that was what kept me alive and so i went from one relationship to the other one relationship to another. When this relationship ends, I believe that I'm supposed to go into another one. Um, and I, I went into a lot of relationships. And eventually, um, I started working. And then I met the man I eventually um, married. Um, we started off as business partners. Because we became... We were in the same field, per se, advertising. And when, like I said, things started going wrong for my parents. And my father couldn't afford to even keep the house we're living in. um, With all the money, he could not even be able to build a house. And like I said, he didn't have a wife who was able to manage him and manage his money properly. We couldn't even build the house. And we were all renting, renting, renting. Eventually, he couldn't afford to rent anymore. Um, And of course, he started living a life that was not pleasing to me. And I felt like I had grown that kind of life. And I got to the point where I could now make decisions for myself. I decided that I didn't want to be in this kind of lifestyle. And I didn't want to be in this kind of place. and, And see all the things I was seeing. I decided to move out. So I moved out of... The home I was sharing with my parent, my father. Um, and then I moved in with a friend. I stayed with her for like a year. And then she also got pregnant in her teens. We are in secondary school together. And then I moved from her place when she eventually traveled abroad. And then I moved to my mom's place. Because my mom, you know, got separated from my dad. And I stayed with my mom because well, I couldn't stay with my mom. I couldn't live with my mom. Like I said, I have I was my I was I was born into you know into a home where we had tyrants. So I couldn't live with my mom. She was such a difficult, she has always been difficult. And you know, just growing up and knowing that I, I had a choice now, I was not ready to live there. So I I walked away. But that was all that was not before I had started dating the man I eventually got married to. And you know i had told him a bit of the things that i was going through in life and you know he was ready to take me in into his place um for a time being until i found somewhere else where i could be so i moved out of my mom's place and i moved into his place and this was at the age of 19 i did i left school at the age of 17 18 i moved out of my parents house and i moved into his place at the age of 19 And I was just supposed to be there temporarily... Till I'm able to... You know, find my life... And know the next plan for myself... And... That was when I found out that I was pregnant... For the first time in my entire life... I had been sexually active at the age of 17... um, But never got pregnant... Never used protection, really... But then at the age of 19... When I eventually met this guy and moved into his place, I found out that I was pregnant a, couple, a month or two later. I just noticed that I hadn't seen my period. And I just felt there was something strange growing in me because I just felt foreign. Um, I knew my body so well. Um, I'd come to understand my body because I'd started um, having sexual encounters at a very early age of five. So already, I'd already discovered my body for very, I'd mastered it, um, and so when I said when I got pregnant, I knew something strange. The very first day I got pregnant, I knew something had happened, something strange had started happening to me, and I didn't need to go do a test or anything to know that I was pregnant. So of course, I didn't see my period, and I told him that I was pregnant. I said, "But how do you know?" I said, "I know my body so well, and I know that something is growing in me." And I got scared because this had put it, you know, a, a, a spanner into the works because I wasn't planning to have a baby at this stage of my life. I knew the way what the way I was living my life, it might eventually happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen that early. And so I was confused at what to do. You know, um we had grown up with myths that um men would re- you know abandon you once they hear you're pregnant and you know abandon you and the baby and i always told myself that if i eventually that eventually happens to me i will not take the baby out i wouldn't want to kill myself or destroy my life i'll keep the baby and i'll just make it work um but he eventually didn't refuse he said he had been praying to god for a wife and this was we met in january in december he said he told God that he was he wanted to get married. That it was the next stage of his life, and in January we met, and yeah, it happened. And so he said he was willing to get married. He, of course, and I remember the question asked was that, "Don't don't I want to get married to him?" Is it not someone I wanted to get married to? And I was I was shocked at that question because it wasn't a question I was expecting. Um, but eventually because I was also unstable in terms of where to live he could offer a roof over my head even though it wasn't an ideal place um but it was something that i never had he was willing to show me love um he was willing to take care of me um he of course he was sleeping with me which I felt was he was showing me love he loved me enough um and yeah, I decided, you know what, 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 what's there to lose. And we got married. So I got married at the age of 19 and I was pregnant and I gave birth at the age of 20. It's about my story as a teenager. Um, so I was, I was, I had, a, I was a teen pregnant. I had a teen pregnancy, but I eventually got married at the age of 20. And had my first child at the age of twenty and today to today she's twenty six um amazing amazing young woman. I'm so happy that I kept her um and I took that decision to keep her um I have learned from the mistakes my parents made. I've learned that a child needs love, and so when I was carrying her, I loved her from my womb. I loved her with every bit of me, I protected her, I shielded her, and I was determined to give her the best that I could possibly give a human being, and I know she felt that love from my womb, and today we're close, we're, we're best pals, she's an amazing person, an amazing woman, With the help of God, she's growing. She's been established She's establishing herself. She's like her mom. She's doing business. She's she's growing. I know that she probably has her own dark place, you know, because of um, the things she's seen growing up. um, um, The division she saw. She also saw experienced in um, her family from her mother and her, her father, you know, but, you know, we, we're de- I'm determined and God helping me and with God that they will heal from those things. And they will also determine to also give love to their children. She's always told me that, oh, uh, mommy, I'm not in a hurry to get married. I need to grow. I need to um, understand who I am. I need to establish myself. I need to understand, you know, life before I now bring a child into it, and that's the way to think. Um, so I want to encourage you that you're listening to me today. Don't give up because you feel like oh I've I've, I've taken in, and don't take you don't don't kill that child, because that child will become a shining light. That child has a purpose, has a destiny. Every child is a gift from God. That child could just be that answer that you need to put you back into reasoning and to change situations. And you know I want to encourage parents who are who have kids, who, and if you if you don't have kids yet, you are planning to get married, I want you to understand the institution of marriage before you get into it, to it. Don't jump into marriage because you feel this is a solution to a problem. No. Marriage is not supposed to be, it's not a reward. Marriage is not a reward for your good behavior. Marriage is not a reward because you're a virgin. Marriage is not a reward because you have waited. No. Marriage is an institution that is the beginning and the platform by which you build lives, so you have to go into it without any. Um, you have to go into it, uh, go into it with very with caution. And it's like a school. Before you go into marriage, you have to understand what you're going into. You have to be able to read about it. You'll be able to able to study about it. You have to look at the lives of the people around you, how they have been able to maneuver this institution called marriage. Before you now decide you want to jump into it, you have to be um 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 prepared and 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 um what's the word prepared and skilled to be able to go you have to be armed with all the tools that you need to be able to go into marriage and most importantly you have to deal with all your root childhood traumas because if you don't deal with it you're going to take it into marriage and to just continue to be a vicious circle that will go from one generation to the other so you have to deal with it. I came out from my childhood traumas with a lot of baggage I came with anger I came with frustration I came with the um, um, a low self esteem I came with this, uh, the esteem being needy all this i am dealing with and i've been dealing with but you know god has been able to enlighten me a lot so now i'm conscious god is dealing with me i'm conscious of the fact that i have to be able to when i'm rejected it is not a slap on who i am because i first found my identity in who i am i'm in christ in christ as being a supernatural being that's where i find my identity not in if i am shown love or if i'm given love i had to unlearn a lot of things that i learned through trauma all those things that i learned that if you don't if you're slept with you that's how love that's what love means i had to learn it because for a very long time, even after my marriage ended, I still felt that I had to be loved through sex, through being touched. I had to learn that, and to the glory of God, I've been separated for for many years now, and God has kept me, has kept me. Now, don't not being touched or not being in a relationship does not equate to love anymore for me. Now I know where the true love is, and that's what I pursue. That's in God. That's in Jesus. So I pursue God. I pursue Jesus because I know that that's where love is. But you see, I don't even need to pursue them because I am in; he's in me. And so I radiate the love of God. I don't deal with self-esteem anymore. There's some other things I'm dealing with um, in terms of being validated, in terms of being appreciated, that I still deal with. When I'm less, when I'm not appreciated, when I'm not validated, I still feel sad. But I'm learning that that's not, you know, it it doesn't make me who I am. It doesn't make, if people don't appreciate you, they don't know you. It is not the people you expect to appreciate you that will appreciate you. God will bring your, the people that will appreciate you when you least expect. But you see, you don't go looking for it. Because you're satisfied and content with who you are in Christ. So I'm teaching my children that. And they're learning to be confident in themselves. And they've learned it and God has helped them. They've learned to be confident. My children are not those that look for friends. They're not the ones that look for friendship. They don't do that. They are so confident in themselves because I prayerfully, prayerfully, I pray for my children every day. I pray and I was conscious of it because I know that it is something that I dealt with. So I was conscious of it. So I prayed earnestly for them. And today they are just exactly the way that I had prayed. They have been molded with prayer. Sometimes I'm even driving my children, go out. No, 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 no. They're so content in being alone in themselves. They're so content, they don't need anyone to make them feel okay, they don't need anyone to make them feel that they are they are this person. Instead, people look to them, people associate with them because of the confidence and the boldness that they exude. That's not saying that they don't also have the other things that they are dealing with. Like my daughter is dealing with a bit of anger issues, and those anger issues have a foundation. And I'm training her and I'm praying along with her and I'm building up to the point where, you know, it eventually should, it will wear out. She falls into a mood sometimes. And so I'm, I told her that I used to be like that. It's a sign, it's a sign of trauma. So for you to, I don't know if it's possible to have a trauma-free childhood. But you see, it could be, trauma that will not leave a lasting scar because the deeper the trauma the deeper the healing and when I mean the deeper the healing it takes years it takes years and conscious efforts for your healing to progress so avoid anything that will bring trauma to your children avoid the fight avoid the name callings avoid it and if you how can you avoid it even in your singleness now start to deal with the traumas that you are experiencing even in your married life start to understand that the things that you exhibit as a result of unresolved unhealed trauma start to start to deal with it Start to deal with it. If you're unable to decipher it, if you're able to understand it, find a a, a trauma, a trauma psychologist. Someone who will be able to help you. I had I, I have a counselor. I have someone who he's not a psychologist, but he's trained. And he was able to help me to see some of these things. And then the Holy Spirit has helped me. He's the greatest psychologist. Find him, know him, dwell in his presence. He will start to show you these things that you need to start to arrange and do, and he will teach you how he will teach you how he will tell you, don't do this. Don't do that. He will, he, he will, he will prevail in your heart to not respond to some things. It's because he's trying to heal you from some things. He will close some doors. So that you will be, you will be healed. He will seclude you. He will restrain you, so that you can find healing. He will shut doors that you expect to be open, but he will shut it for some time. But even at that, he will encourage you through his word to give you time to heal before you go through those doors. I want you to be conscious of how you live your life because the truth is if you're not conscious of how you live your life you would affect your generation with your with your with your past and we'll just continue to have a vicious circle we'll just continue to have a vicious circle and it will bring pain to other people I really hope you've been blessed by this. And if you're here listening to this and you don't know Jesus, you've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit. You've heard me talk about God. You've heard me talk about Jesus. They're all three, they're all one. And I believe that when you get to, when you become a Christian and you get to start to dig yourself into the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will start to show you these things that I've been talking about and even much more. And so if you want to know Christ, just say these prayers after me. Dear father, I have listened to your daughter and my heart indeed yearns for that love that she was talking about. My heart has been void of this love and I've filled it with so many things that I shouldn't have. I've gone down roads that I shouldn't have. I've, I've done things that I regret that I shouldn't have. But I know that I'm listening to this podcast at the right time. And so I open my heart to you. And I ask that you empty it of every waste and you fill it, oh God, with your love. I surrender my life to you today. And I ask that you take me along this journey of recovery, this journey of redemption, this journey of salvation, this journey of healing. And so that I can come out a better person. Help me, oh God, in Jesus name. I confess you as my Lord and Savior from today. And I welcome the Holy Spirit into my heart. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. If you said this prayer with me, I want to congratulate you. That you have begun. Today will mark the best year of the rest of your life. It is a journey that you will appreciate in heaven. When you get there. That you ever decided to take. And I pray that you will grow in God so deep. That you will understand the heart of God. And I would just encourage you to find a Bible-believing church. Get a Bible if you don't have one. Join prayer groups. Find a friend who is in Christ. Get to a church and start to dig yourself into Christ. And dig yourself into the word. And I'm sure one day we will see again. If not on this side of heaven. on in heaven. Take care. I love you. Look forward to my next podcast. I don't know what it is. But I know that the Holy Spirit just likes to you know, interest me sometimes with the things that he digs out of my heart. Um, and like I always say, my podcast are always experiences that I have been through and things that I've been able to overcome. And God uses that as a testimony to share. The Bible says that we overcome by the word of the lamb, by the word of our, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies and share your testimony. If you have, if you, if you, if you find healing after listening, this, if you find transformation after this, share it declare it and in this um podcast there'll be a question i'm um, just like a light survey for you to just fill or a question and answer throw your thoughts about this in the in the comments and let's converse god bless you bye bye hello hi how are you you had a good day Um, so this is a sequel to the last uh, episode on teens pregnancy and after I recorded that episode the Holy Spirit just started ministering to me um, a couple of other things that I needed to add to that um, episode I remember the episode was about my journey as a single teenage mom. Um, I gave a bit of foundation on how I began life and what led up to the, when I got, mar- um, got pregnant and then eventually got married. Now, that marriage... I didn't get married because I loved the person. I got married because of circumstances. I got married because I was displaced in the sense that, like I said in the earlier episode, I was looking for love. And so I associated, you know, having sex with someone as being loved. So I felt like this person had slept with me. And so this person loved me. Um, I was also looking for acceptance. And so I felt like this person also has accepted me for who I was the truth was he didn't even know everything about me he didn't know you know a lot he knew some but not a lot I was wise not to have given everything about myself to him because I really needed someone who would you know take me in because I was really lost I was I didn't even know who I was but most importantly I just wanted to uh, to be accepted. I'm, I'm, I would say, I'm considered, I'm, I'm a totally truthful. I would say I'm truthful, 80%, 90% truthful. But I manage the truth that I give to people, that I tell people um, at every given time. I can be the most open and honest person you can find on the face of this earth, but at Every given time, and depending on who I am speaking to, there are some truths that I withhold. So, um, he didn't really know a lot about me. And, you know, I just, whatever side I wanted to show him was the side I did show him. And, you know, the funniest thing was that I did show him my very vulnerable side. I showed him largely the truth about me. Um... And he accepted me for who I was. But you see, I thought that was all... There was for me to have a successful marriage. It was later that I started becoming wise... And started gaining knowledge and understanding... On the Institute of Marriage that I realized that... That was even... I had not even scratched the surface. So I settled for marriage because... I was looking for love. I wanted acceptance. I had been abandoned. And so I was looking to make a point that I could build a home and have a family and love my children better than my parents loved me and took care of me. Those were my goals. And that was what I wanted to do, that was my aim. But you see, those reasons are the wrong reasons to get into marriage wrong reasons on my youtube channel living and loving with mabel i have um an episode called um why should i get married um so go look for it just check for my name mabel Briggs, um and living and love with mabel and you'll see that episode there but i'll try and break it down here for my listening audience so I remember that I had a a spiritual mom, you know, of blessed memories, Pastor Bimbo Otokaya. And I remember when I got married, um, she was one of the people who knew where I was coming from because she, she knew me from when, you know, I newly gave my life to Christ. So I gave my life to Christ, you know, through one of my, um, Beautiful, wonderful sister, um, Pastor Mildred, um, um, I was in secondary school. We were both in secondary school at that time. And when she got born again, she looked for me and she led me to Christ. And it was, there was such a release of life after that. I felt free. I felt like I'd been, the chains had been broken from me and I wanted to just, I found new love. I found something I could cherish. And so I just wanted to serve God. I love God. And so, of course, when I went back home, I had to look for a church to go to. And I started going to Fountain of Life Church. Sorry, I'm yawning. I'm I'm on my bed. Uh, but I just felt that I, I should do this um, podcast before I go to bed. I'd been, you know, thinking about it. And the other thing fleshing it in my mind. So said before I lose my chain of thoughts let me just do it and because my almost of my podcasts are so spontaneous I don't go writing down anything because these things have been fleshed in my spirit so I, that's how I met Pastor Bimondukoya and you know I remember she you know I went there because I wanted to sing I love music I love to sing and so she um she interviewed me and she auditioned me for the worship team then the choir the fun of life church didn't have a big choir then it was just the worship team just a couple of people so she eventually took me into the worship team and you know asked me why i wanted to join the worship team i told her and you know that's how i got into the worship team kept going for rehearsals kept going to church listening to the word of god well I wasn't... I wasn't discipled. Found of Life Church was such a big church at the time. And there were a lot of matured um, people going to the church. You know, I think they just lost track of the fact that there were a lot of young teenagers who needed, you know, the word of God to be broken down into a language that they could understand. They lost they lost they didn't understand what it was to pastor you know and disciple teenagers of my age then they didn't understand you know they threw us into the larger assembly where the word of god at that time was being spoken and it was too complex for us to understand we understood parties we understood boy, we understood girl, we understood relationships, we understood sex, we understood all these things. When we 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 generation that was coming from homes that were totally broken. We're totally broken. we a lot we were a lot of broken um, teenagers all around looking for the same thing, looking for love, looking for acceptance, looking for someone. We're, we're all, were abandoned, broken, um, um, twisted set of kids and that, that our generation then. But they didn't, they, I don't think they fully grasped you know, the kind of people who were coming to church at that time. I'm so happy now that, you know, they had learned from that and now they have a youth church they have a um they had all they have now they've now decided to segment the 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 greater church into little um groups connect groups where they can you know disciple people you know at close range which is very very key but at that time we didn't have it so i'll go to church. You know, I was just concerned about serving God. So I'll go to church and sing and, you know, feel like I'm serving God and loving God. You know, but there were some things I just, you know, I was, I wasn't broken. I wasn't broken. I I had God. I had the spirit. But, you know, I wasn't being renewed by the word because I wasn't discipled to read the word of God daily. I was thrown into a life of utter confusion. At the age of 16, I was left to fend for myself. Imagine coming from a home where you were sheltered all your life. Um, you were in a home where you were protected. My father was in the military. We're not allowed to talk to anyone. We're not allowed to have friends except family friends that he introduced us to. We're not allowed to go out. We're not allowed to do anything except a car takes you to school and brings you back. We're so shielded and, you know, protected. You understand? And after a while, that life was lost. We lost all that life. So at the age of 16... I was thrown into a world where I had to start to fend for myself. At an early age, I was just coming. I was still in secondary school, but about to finish. But I knew that, you know, my dad started having problems. And all of a sudden, I was exposed to this whole world of adults that I didn't know how I was going to maneuver my way. But you see, good good thing about it was that I went to a secondary school, a military secondary school. Um, and in that school, I started becoming very streetwise. Um, I started understanding a lot of things, you know. But of course, I leave school, I go back on back to my sheltered life, you know, where you're flogged, you're punished, you're um spoken down on, you know, you're physically abused, you know and you 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 live in fear, and then of course, every time, because I've tasted that life, and I've tasted the life of freedom, I, I really wanted the life of freedom, because I felt like I was, I was not happy where I was, I'd never really been a happy child, I never had a happy home, and um, childhood, because it was merged with a lot of fighting, a lot of um abusive words, a lot of anger. Even though my father had money and we came from affluence, but I saw my two parents never close. They were never they never showed us love. They never, you know, um interpreted love to us um the way that we should as a child. My father was never, you know, never validated validated his children as a father. My mom was never validated her children as a mom. You know, we're just there. Like being read like chickens and given, you know, the things that they thought we needed in life. But the things that, the things that we wanted in life, but the things that we really didn't need, we never got it. And that was the the acceptance, the, the validation, the love, being expressed physically to us, we never saw it. And that's why as a young girl, when I started seeing men hold me and hug me, And touch me. I felt, you know, they loved me more than my parents. But, you know, go back and listen to the first episode. I gave a lot of foundation there. And so, this teenager, you know, who just really gave her life to Christ. Found the church. And thrown into a world where, you know, I couldn't explain. You know, had to start to maneuver my way through. At the age of 17, I left secondary school. I had to start to look for a job. You know, to fend for myself. And then I, of course, started dating men. Men that were far older than me. 10 years, 20 years older than me. I matured so quickly because I needed to survive. You know, there was no other way for me to survive. At the age of 17, I left school and I was able to find myself a job. I remember then I was earning 3000 That was in 1994. I got a job as three, um, at, as a personal assistant to um one of the um you know the biggest um audiovisual um digital um studios then and I became the p- personal assistant and I was earning three thousand I I can never forget how I wake up early in the morning get dressed to go to work that three thousand naira was like three million naira now or even more because you know that was how I was able to fend for myself but then because I was a young child in an adult world, I had to start to learn how to, you know, make, you know, make do with what I had to get what I wanted. You know, that was the that was the term they used, then use what you have to get what you want. I started learning how to, you know, flirt with men, how to, you know, be an adult in front of men to get them to like me, to get the things that I, I wanted from them. And, you know, to be able to fend for myself and all that. It was a crazy world that, you know, I had to live in at a very early age. And that's why, you know, I, when I became a mother, I was determined to, you know, not only protect my children from um, sexual abuse but also to make sure that I do everything within my power God helping me and holding on to God to make sure that I am able to provide for them so that they won't see the need to want to go out to mature early you know to make money for themselves and you know in turn sell their bodies but you know one thing I realized and one thing I know that God helped me with was to be able to train my children in the way of God, number one, and to be able to train them in, and expose them early to the knowledge and understanding of what it is to remain chaste and keep themselves for Christ. I remember the age, my daughter, at the age of 16, and we we're having a conversation in the car, we we're going to church. You know, I was just telling her, and she was like, Mommy, you've been telling me this thing since I was eight years old. Don't you think I've heard you by now? And I was like, "Hey, since." And I remember then she was she, she was like fifteen, and it was like maybe I'd be telling her like for 90 years, and I'd be saying the same thing. I said, "You see, Casey, I've been consistently telling you the same thing. I won't, I, you know, I thought I'm not going to stop telling you. I won't be tired." She was just rolling her eyes to me, but I thank God that beautiful girl today is twenty six years old, and she has matured so well. I can can tell you that God gave me fantastic children. They are far better off than I was at my age. God didn't disappoint me at all. Even if there's nothing else to live for, which of course there's a lot. But I know that God has been good to me when it comes to my children. And I know that God has seen my heart desire concerning them. And he has established them. And he has made sure that he fulfilled that promise to me. I have fantastic children. We are growing in the knowledge of God. And growing in the word of God, and they're growing strong in God. I've had this fantastic children who you know are, are being fed by the word of God and who have been loved, and they, they you know they they, they 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 are loved by people who are able to express that love to them, and so they are seeing clean love, they are seeing um long loves without any strings, they are seeing they're growing up into good, um, um, good, um foundation you understand and they're understanding what it is to love genuinely so i'm really grateful for that and you know if you're listening you're a listener who is married or who is intending to get married who is single one of the things or who has been abused as a child one of the things you want to make sure that you start to determine and you start to um put down as a goal for yourself and even for your children yet or born is that you'll make sure that they grow into a life that is unadulterated with love and under unadulterated love, and you can only find that in Christ if you are in Christ, if you're in Christ, and then you've allowed God to come into your house and heal you, and you know, you've gotten to a place where you are able to process your, 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 your emotions and, 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 and find out where things went wrong and determine to do things right. That's the only time you can start to feed into your children. What is expected of you from the word of God? That's the only time. If you don't think you've grown up in the, in the, in the, in, in in the wrong foundation, then you will not that's, you, you will not be able to make a change in their own generation. Someone asked me how, some time ago, how was I able to, you know, decide that I wanted to become a parent, a better parent to my children than what I received from my my mom. I said, because I hated the way I was brought up. I hated the way I was mothered. I hated the way I was fathered. And I've known God long enough to know that, to know a father's love. I've known God enough to know that this is the way a father loves a child. That's not the way I was loved by my own father. That's not the way I was loved by my own mother. And so I want to be able to love my children that same way, the way God loves me. And so I had to tap into that agape love of God to be able to give the same to my children. You know, they say something, they say, what you don't have, you can't give. It's true. What you never have, you can't give. You don't only, it's not, you you don't only get something from one source. You can get it from many sources. The same way you don't only get wealthy or get rich or become a millionaire from just one source. You become a millionaire from different sources. It's the same way you can get love from different sources. So I wasn't able to get love from my earthly father. But I was able to find that love in my heavenly father. And because I was now connected to God, I knew what it was to really love. He showed me what it was to really love me. And he put people around me who will show me what it is to really love. Initially, I didn't know how to receive love because I was never given love from well, I didn't know what it looked like. So when I knew, the only love like I told you I knew was sex. And so anything out of that, I didn't know what love looked like. And so for a very long time, I didn't know how to receive love. So when people do something for me, I wasn't sure how to respond because I wasn't, sh- I wasn't sure there was nothing connected to that um, act of kindness that they showed me. I always felt that I needed to give something back. And so for a very long time, I was always wanting to prove myself. I was always wanting to do something for someone who loved me. If a person has loved me back, loved me, I want to be able to l- give the person something back. To show my appreciation because that was the only way i knew how to love that was the only way i knew how to love so you know we need to be able to train our children better we need to abhor the way that we grew up if you grow up like anything like i grew up you must decide that this is not how i want my children to grow up and you must determine to find the true source of love which is in Christ Jesus, in God, in God through Christ Jesus. And once you can find that true source of love, then you can give back love. If you don't find it, trust me, you're not going to give love. You're going to just give hate. You can truly love someone if you don't have love yourself. And so I eventually, like I said, Got married, you know, when I got pregnant, Pastor Bimba told me not to get married to him. You know, she just she didn't give me the reasons then, she just told me, Don't get married to him. Come, I will take care of that child, I will help you go back to school, I will bring up that child as my own, and I will bring you up and send you to school. That if if I was thinking straight. That was an offer that no, that was an offer that nobody would have rejected. And why? Because I really wanted to go to school. I remember when I finished secondary school and my father couldn't afford to send me to university and I had to start looking for uncles, you know, I was told to go and visit uncles and go and tell, speak to uncles, you know, who will help me. And every time I went to all of them, it was one story or the other, you know, and so I had to take my life into my hands. And I started working. And if I'm not going to school, let me be able to work and gain knowledge and get into the business world and see how these things work. At least something, you know, felt, you know, I remember then when um, I felt like I would never go to university, I started tutoring myself, you know, by the help of the Holy Spirit. I started learning how to speak properly. I started learning how to read Properly, I started learning how to, you know, do business, you know, I started learning things on my own. I would read newspapers. I would get myself conversant with different things, different things happening. I used to store piles of newspapers and magazines to read. It's when I, My husband would laugh at me because I'm reading a newspaper of maybe a year ago and say, Oh, this thing is happening. You say that happened a year ago that, to show you how many newspapers I used to store and keep and magazines and I will sit down and I will read them and 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 read them. them. I will read dictionaries. I will read novels. I'll find out new words. I would find out the meaning of the word and I would use the word in, in my sentences. I started speaking, you know, I started speaking well. I started using big english people were wondering oh who is this person that speaks well and i started learning how to write i started working i started knowing what it is to use a computer how to use um, different um, um um computer softwares i started working i said started, I, started, I started improving on myself since i couldn't go to a former edu to go to a a university to read formally, I started you know, growing informally and I knew that it was by the help of the Holy Spirit and so when she told me that, it could have been the moment where I would have said you know what, this is my opportunity to go to school, after giving birth I would just leave her with her and then me, I would go to school but no I instead wanted to get married because i was looking for something i was looking also looking for like i said acceptance and i felt like this person wanted to marry me so it means that he was accepting me i was also looking for security and i felt like this person was offering me security This person will be my husband. And as a husband, he would protect me. He will fend for me. He will be duty-bound to me. I felt like, Pastor Bimbo, uh, tomorrow might just get tired of me. And say, leave my house. Or something would happen. And I said, leave my house. But the way that I had valued marriage, I felt that once you get married, you're stuck to that person. And the person can no more tell you. Leave. And I felt like. You know we had a bond. And it was something that we could grow. And mature together. But it was an unhealthy bond. Because I was a needy. Person. I was too needy. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who. I didn't have an identity. So I lashed onto. The next person that I saw, who I could feed from, feed emotionally, feed otherwise from. And I thought all this was love. I was totally broken and destroyed. I didn't know. So I went into marriage, which was the greatest error, well, on this part of earth. But I know that with God it wasn't an error it was just my life being played out the way that it was going to go I tell everyone that there's nothing that takes God by surprise even when the ones that make the wrong choice but with God it's not a wrong choice because the Bible says that everything happens together for good everything happens together for good So with us on this face of the earth, it's a wrong choice. It was a mistake. But with God, it wasn't a mistake. He knew at this time, on this year, at this hour, this is what you're going to do. He already knew. And everything you do always works together for good. Whatever destiny he has for you at the end, that you're living it. You're leaving it. So I got married. My marriage didn't last. It only lasted for 13 years. It was a terrible, terrible mistake for me. When I finally knew what I was doing, I realized that I'd been the greatest mistake of my life. So that's the reason for this podcast. I'm going to, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to outline some points here to us. If for any reason you find yourself pregnant, it's not the end of the world. You might have, you might think that the act is was sin, but the produce is a gift. That child is a gift every child that comes into the face of this earth was given to you by God, not by the devil. The act is the sin, not the the produce. Not the produce. The child was a gift from God. And God knew that that child was going to come anyway. And he chose you to bring it in. And so, keep the child. But that doesn't mean that because you have that child you must marry that person no it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you still have to discover yourself and find out what it is that you want you have to f- discover yourself if you are like me you were ov- you are obviously not broken you're obviously you obviously don't have an identity you obviously don't know who you are you obviously don't know what you want you have to marry for the right reasons and one of the right reasons is you are marrying this person because you love this person not because of what the person can give to you but because two of you together make a good team Because you have same values. Because you have same morals. Because you have same beliefs. Because it's based on that foundation, you're going to bring up your children. So you love yourselves enough. You like yourselves enough to be able to live with each other regardless of the faults that you have which you have been able to sit down talk about outline no he- no no secrets nothing hidden you have both come out plain to each other and you have weighed all the options and you have decided that i like this person enough to do life with this person regardless of who this person is and what this person has this person has a weakness the person has told me he has a weakness he has come out to explain to me this is my weakness i have weighed it because the truth is that every weakness doesn't always progresses with years it doesn't get better it gets worse so five years down the line, am I able to still be there even when this person through this with this person? Am I able to fight on my knees for this person, believe in God and see this person daily progress? And see this person use the word of God to renew their minds so that this weakness eventually does not consume them. Is this person willing to change? Is this person willing to allow the word of God to change their mind? Change them. Because the truth is that you can't change anybody. It is the Holy Spirit that does the changing. Not you. So am am I going to be willing to... I'm patient enough to wait. Am I withholding secrets from this person? If I am, then there's no need to go into marriage. Until the point where you feel like you can now talk about this, until the point where you feel that you can trust this person enough with your secrets, and that person is able to trust you enough with that. Do you know everything about this person before you get into marriage? You probably not. But what you want to know is that this person is in God. And this person loves God with all of their hearts. This person is willing to do the work. To become broken before God. So that God can change them. With his word. And the renewing of their minds. These are the things you want to find out before you jump into marriage. It's not what the person has or what the person can give to you in terms of monetary or or mundane things. It is the values, the morals, the spiritual that you want to invest in. And most above all, what is God saying to you about this person? Is this what God has in store for you? God will walk with you as you are able to walk with him. There's no one person for anybody. But there are many choices. So don't jump into marriage because... Or don't force your child into marriage because they're pregnant. Or I want to believe that those days are gone. Except there are still cultures like that. It is the the, worst, single most terrible thing you can do to anybody. And even if you know someone who is going to do that just because she's pregnant, then you know better. And you should be able to advise them better. Take your time. Take your time to know this person. I know someone who, she she was also a teenager, She, she had a child, but she didn't marry the person. She gave birth to her child, and she was with that child for many years. You know, the beautiful thing about it is, she eventually still got married to the father of the child. But this was after so many years. And this was because she had taken her time to truly search God and see God's face concerning that man. And she could f- see a consistency in the man's life. She saw so many things. I, I I, went through this journey with her. I spoke to her then I said, Don't jump into marriage just because he's the father of your child. I told her the things to look out for. And I told her to prayerfully see God's face. And this was like maybe 10 years down the line. After she had the child, eventually, she was able to finish school. Finn became a graduate. She took care of her child. Even though her father threw her out of the house. But she took care of her child. It was tough. But she still stood with that child and took care of her child. Eventually she got married to this man and they are still together happily married and they have another They have. I think they have two more children there's so many other stories like that but you see what I loved about her was that she didn't just jump into marriage just because she was pregnant she wanted to make sure that she was making the right decision so, getting pregnant doesn't mean you must get married to the father of your child. There are so many myths then when I was um, that, at that age. Oh, you might never find a husband. Um, so, you have to take get married to this one. You know, you are maimed for life. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. There are so many people who have are single moms who have gotten married... To people, to men that were not that are not the fathers of the children. So whatever you believe you attract. So we'll take time. There are too many broken homes. There are too many broken children. We don't want to keep adding to the date to the statistics. Let's do it right. Let's take our time. We've made the first mistake. Don't make a second. Take your time. Will it be tough? Yes, it will be tough as a single mom. But God will always make a way for you. He will always provide for that child if you only trust him. It's difficult when we don't have someone who is more superior to lean on. When we depend on man, but when we depend on God, He never forsakes us. We come out even better than we, we went in. And so we must decide what it is that is most important. And see, so before deciding what is most important, you must know who you are, you must find your identity. And your identity is usually found in Christ. If you've been broken and battered and destroyed and abused and abandoned and everything, you will struggle with your image, your identity. You will definitely struggle with your identity. And like me, you become codependent on people or anyone who is around you, who shows you the least attention, you would latch yourself onto that person like a parasite. I see most people run away because they don't have that capacity to give you that kind of love that you look for, like you're looking for. Remember in my first, the first podcast, I talked about the void that you need to fill. People run away whenever they see, they, they take advantage of people like that and then they run away because they don't have that capacity to fill that void it's such a huge void that they don't even have capacity to fill so they take advantage of you take what else they can get from you and run and abandon you and leave you even with a much wider void the only person that can fill that void to the point where you'll be satisfied is Jesus is Jesus? That was why God made sure Jesus came on the earth to fill the void, to bridge the gap between humanity and, and and God. He wanted us to see a God that we can see. The problem with the Israelites and the Jews then in the old times was that they kept wanting to see. They they wanted to believe what they can see. They saw all the signs. In those day and age, God was even talking to them audibly. But they were not believing because they were physical. They were mundane. They were not spiritual. They didn't have the Holy Spirit at that point. So there were a lot of things that were, there was so much gap and there was, there was such a big gap. And God looked at it. How do I, how do I fill this void? How do I show them that I'm, I'm, I'm existing. I'm alive. And I loved humanity because I created you. He decided, you know what? I will send, I will come in man and become man. And that's why he sent Jesus. So that they can see and believe. So, Jesus is the only one who can fill that void. Because that's what he's come to do. To bridge that gap between humanity and the Godhead. No man can fill that void. Nobody. No human love can fill that void. Men, I'm speaking to women now, if you're listening. Men, a man is as fickle as the world. They'll cringe in fear in hard times, in difficulties. Their strength will fail them. And as such, they'll fail you. The kind of love you're expecting to be loved by them. They can't give it to you if they don't have the the, the, the author of love. They can't give it to you. Wealth is not love. Money is not love. Yes, it answer, answers a multitude of problems. But that's not genuine love. People have all these things, but yet they are still not happy because they don't have that love that is sick. The only person who can give you that love is God. So if that man is not connected to God and has not been exposed to God's undiluted agape love, they can't give you love. They can't. They can only give you what they have, and that's probably what they have gotten from their own parents, and that's pain, deceit, pride, and much more. That's why we see it in the men we uh, we you know, that are in this world, the narcissists, all kinds, the chronic cheats. The adulterers, we see it. Because it's a broken world, it's a broken system. You can only get whole in God, in Christ. Don't be deceived by any man who can, who is not in Christ and tells you that he can love you. He would only love you for a day or two. After that, because he's an old man. And when I mean old man, I'm not talking about age. I mean the nature. He doesn't have the nature of Christ, which is the transformed being. He still has the old man, which is the nature of the fallen world. He will go the way of the world, eventually. He might respect you enough to hide it. But he's not bound to you, really. Even if he took a vow, so what? How many people take vows and... and yeah? he will still go the way of the world and leave your heart broken why not follow a man who has his roots in Christ in Jesus in God and he's been transformed everyday by the renewing of the word he's able to tell you that I cannot love you the way that God will love you he nurtures your relationship with God so that you can also find love in God. And so you don't depend on Him solely for Him to give you that love because He can't. But two of you together, both having relationships with God, can foster love between one another. The Bible talks about to one submitting to the other. That's what genuine love from God can do. So I just want to admonish you. Let's break this jinx of of recycling pain from one generation to the other. And let's really think about this and make a paradigm shift. And start to nurture seeds, godly seeds, as God has admonished us in his word. We can only do that if we know God. God bless you.